So let us pray before we start. Let's just engage our hearts and our minds. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are here, that you've not given up on us, and you've not given up on your church, the hope of the world. And uh, God, we come before you today, we want to know something about you. We humbly come before you as people that want to learn, and we ask that you speak to our hearts, you speak to our minds, and you help us in the detailed things of our lives. You help us not to worry, you show us that you care for us. But Lord, we ask that you also equip us and build us up so that we can see your church grow and your kingdom come in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for showing us the way. And we come before you today wanting to know you even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, yeah, we're starting a new series called Building Builders. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit... This year, one of the things we wanted to focus on was building leaders. So there's some things in this for leaders, and, and as Lauren's already prepped for me and started me off, in a way, we're all leaders, and um, we're all here to serve God, amen? And we're all here to lead people and to point people to God, so we all have a responsibility, would you agree? In whatever responsibility we've been given, whether that's just for ourselves, whether that's for our family, whether that's in our job, whatever that responsibility we have, we've all been given something to be responsible for. Would you agree? So we've all got a part to play, amen? Um, I want to just share a couple of thoughts this morning. One is about, really, if we know what God's plan is, if, we under, if, if you're a builder, right, and you're going to build something, you need a plan, would you agree? If you're going to say, I need you to come and build an extension, well, the builder will say, well, what do you want it to look like? You wouldn't say, just, just start, right? If there's a few bricks, just do what you want, and you come back, and the, the room's not how you wanted it. You wouldn't be happy with the builder, would you? But, you know, I believe God has a plan, and he has a blueprint for his church. And I want to share a few thoughts about this and how we play a part in this as the body of Christ. And I also want to look at maintaining that plan and staying healthy in the process. So I'm going to share from... Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. I'll just wait for you to turn to your Bible. You can hear the pages rustle, can't you? You can see the phones on. Um, Matthew 25, verse 14, it says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, and to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I'm sure it was a dog. If it was my dog, my dog would be digging. And After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained four, five more talents. Sorry, I'm doing my maths wrong this morning. 
His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Does anybody want to hear that at the end? Does anybody want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. His master replied, sorry, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I will put, so come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied again, well done, good and faithful servants. Notice how he doesn't treat anybody different, even though they have different abilities and different, diff, they've, done, they've, they've gained more. I just love that, the image of God in this. That's just a side thing. And then he says, then the master who had received the one talent Dun, dun, dun. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him And then he says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a very nice illustration, is it? You know, it's quite, I used to find that scary when I used to read it. It used to freak me out. I don't want to go to that place with the weeping and the gnashing of the teeth. And um, I don't know about you, but most times when I gnash my teeth, it's in me sleep at night, grinding my teeth. Does anybody else grind their teeth at night? Grinding their teeth. Well, I'm excited about something. I grind my teeth. I'm really excited. But I want to speak about this because I think this is important for us to understand what Jesus did on the cross, but then what he left us to do. And this is an illustration that Jesus is giving about he's going to go. I'm the master. Jesus is the master in this illustration. And he's the one who's going to go. He's going to be far off. And then he's going to return and see what we do with what he's given us. Does this make sense? Now, I know this doesn't save us. We don't get saved by our works. We get saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. He saves us, okay? But this is talking about a reward for for what he's given us. And we've all been given something. Some of us have been given one. Some given two. Some given five. We've all been given, depending on our ability, we've been given something to do. Would you agree? Otherwise, what's the point in being here? Jesus might as well have just taken us all at that point, but he didn't. He left his disciples with things to do. Yes? Are you with me? So this is, Jesus isn't saying this actually happens. Jesus is saying, it's like this. It's like I'm going to leave, and then I'm going to return, and I'm going to reward you depending on what you have done. But I want to just look at the five, the the three different people. Because I believe we can find a pattern here or find a structure that helps us understand our own personal growth. And I want to look at, first of all, the one talent. Because when we look at the one talent, it says he doesn't do anything with it, but he buries it. 
And I believe this is, in this occasion, it's pointing at Jewish people who were actually given the truths of God. They were given the covenant, they had covenant with God, they were given the word of God, they were given the truth that a Messiah would come, the saviour of the world, God would turn up, yet it says on this occasion that they did nothing with what they've been given. And I believe this is, first of all, the point where we start in the building process. God has given us his one and only son, would you agree? And all of us can either accept the one or reject the one. And on this occasion, it says that that they rejected him or they did nothing with what had been given to him. Now, we know that the master gave himself. He gave his life. He was crucified on the cross for me and you for the forgiveness of sins. Eternity was changed when Jesus died on the cross. No longer do we just die if we believe we're raised again. Amen? And everybody has a choice whether to receive the one, Jesus. You all have a choice to receive Jesus or reject Jesus. And I believe this illustration is someone who's rejected Jesus. It was religious people who were angry with Jesus because Jesus said things like, I am the son of God. He said things like, I will forgive your sins. He said to people on the Sabbath, get up and walk. And the religious people, they were angry at him. They grinded their teeth at him and they eventually crucified him on a cross. I believe this is an illustration and it's a warning for us all. Not for you, because I believe you're already in the 101 and you're doing something with it. That's why you're here today. But it's a warning for us all to remember, for those who don't accept Jesus, they're going to be casted out. Because the only way to the Father is through faith in Jesus. Amen? And Jesus is made a way so we don't have to be cast out. We don't have to be grinding our teeth and angry. But actually we can come to Christ, receive the forgiveness, have peace with God. And we don't need to grind our teeth anymore. The grinding's been done on the cross. Amen? But I believe these, this was an illustration for the religious people who were grinding the teeth at Jesus. But actually when Jesus died on that cross and he rose again, if they reject Jesus, they're going to be the ones who are grinding the teeth for eternity. Not because they're angry because what Jesus has done, but they're angry with their own selves for rejecting God. And I believe we need to be aware of this and be aware that people in this world, if they don't know Jesus, number one, then they have a lost eternity. And this is why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die just so we could have a happy time. Jesus died to save them, who had all those who have a lost eternity. It's the number one talent that he's given. But he doesn't just go and leave them with nothing. When he's talking to the disciples, he says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send somebody else for you. I'm going to send the promise that the Father has promised, that was promised in Joel chapter Two, I will pour out my spirit on all men, on all flesh. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the one. And the one is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be a deposit in you. And that spirit is an eternal spirit. It, it, it cannot be corrupted. You're safe in the 101. Am I making sense? But for those who do reject it, they'll be gnashing the teeth. I don't know about you, but that spurs me on to go for the one who I don't want to be lost. Because I believe it's the heart of God that they're not lost. That they're in the kingdom. That their eternity isn't lost, but they've been found. That we can rejoice in the one. But I believe we're given the one 
talents, each one of us, we're given something that we can do something with. And I just want to encourage you, some of you may know this, and if you know this, this is wonderful. Build this into your life, build it even more, but if you know this, pass it on to somebody else and help them build it in their life. Like Lauren's already doing. She said, I'm not a leader. No, none of us feel like a leader. All you need is a heart for loving people and serve people. That's as simple as it is. And this is what Jesus is saying. Well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you small and you did something with it. You did good, you were faithful, and you're a servant. It's as simple as that. So I want to encourage you, build this into your life. I've called it Project 101, the one talent. And it starts with this. Do you know God? It's that simple. The religious people of the day, they knew all about God, but they did not know God and outwork the promises of God and and, and the principles of God. This is a simple principle that Jesus is teaching. I'll give you something small, and when you do something with the something small, I'll give you more. It's a simple principle in your life. What you've been given, do something with it, and when you do something with it, I'll give you even more. That's the principle, biblical principle. God can entrust you with more when you do with something with the small. So do you know God? And I know it's probably a question you're all in church, you think, I do know God. Do you know God personally? Do you know God as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross for you? Do you know that? And I don't just mean information in your head, I mean what's called a revelation by God. You can't reveal God to you, only God reveals God to you. And we do that by humbling ourselves and saying, God, I recognize you died on the cross. I believe in you, but actually, I want to know you. You would die for me. Your precious blood would be poured out for me. I want to know that. Paul calls it when he preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says you can't find them, but only God can reveal them to you. And he preaches the gospel, he preaches redemption, he preaches forgiveness of sin. And you can read it in Ephesians chapter 1. The forgiveness of sin. It is what Paul preached. Christ crucified. Christ risen. Christ died for you. Christ was raised for you. This is Jesus Christ. It's the power of God that is that you cannot find on your own. But when you surrender to God, he can open up your heart and he can renew your mind. And all of a sudden, things begin to change because the one who is Jesus comes into your life. I know God. I don't understand it, but I know God. How can I know God? How can little me, broken me, know God? Why would God be bothered about me? Are you still with me this morning? Is this okay? This is the one. Jesus is the one. And people rejected him and they were gnashing with teeth. Now here's the good news. God's not rejecting you. God is not rejecting you. There is no condemnation in God. God's not the one who's throwing you out this morning. God's not into rejecting you. He's into accepting you this morning. He's into loving you for who you are. You might be broken. You might think you're not as good as the other person. You're comparing yourself. with God says, no, I love you and I died for you. This is the most important thing. We can't move on to the two talents if we don't understand the one talent. We can't skip on to the next bit if we don't first grasp this. So do you know God this morning for yourself? And I don't just mean information. I mean a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and reveals Jesus to you. He reveals the love of the Father to you. He gives you his peace. He gives you his joy. He gives you his contentment. We don't earn it. We receive it by the grace of God. 
And it sets us free from trying to work it and earn it and wear ourselves out and worry about if we're loved and worry about if we're not good enough. And and God's made a way so we can enjoy his presence and his peace and actually be content in him instead of trying to earn it. Do you know God this morning? Are you saved? Do you know that you're saved? Your eternity is saved? Are you just banking on the chances like most people bank when they put bets on and thinking, is it going to come in? It's a five to one, I'm not sure. Do you know that you're saved this morning? And if you're not, I'm going to show you in a bit what you can do to search for that and to know that. Here's another one. Do you know how to pray? This is the 101. This is our identity in Christ. Do I know I'm saved? Do I know how to pray? Do I know how to read the Bible? Do do I know when I open the scriptures what I do? Do I just read it literally or do I understand there's a context in which this is written? Do I understand when I read the Bible that I must look at it through the cross of Jesus because otherwise some of it doesn't make sense why God would do these things. And I need to learn how to read the Bible properly for myself so I can grow. So I'm not knocked around through every teaching and everything people say to me or don't say to me. I'm just not from side to side because I don't know for myself who I am in Christ. Are you still with me this morning? Do you know how to pray? If you don't, get on the new believers. There's a plug again. It's all about Lauren this morning, right? Get on the new believers. Humble yourself a little bit and say, I don't understand. Get to the men's prayer. Get to a small group. Immerse yourself in and say, I want to know more. I need to learn. I'm a, I, I don't understand all this, but I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn how to read the Bible. And then the next thing, the 101, I've called it Project 101, the one talents, the one thing you've been given is really identity in Christ. Jesus has been given to you. Jesus has been given to you. Receive Jesus into your life. Let him be the love of your life. The next question I have for you, this talent with this thing you've been given, do you know how to love yourself and to love others? Do you know how to love? You know, we're in a broken world. Sometimes we think we know how to love, but then we get it wrong. Do you know how to love? Do you know God loves you and he wants you to love others? Even when they reject you, even when it doesn't go the way that you think it should go, just like it did with Jesus. You know, Jesus loved us to the point of death. This is what Jesus did for us. He showed us how to forgive. Jesus says, you know, there's a, I want to show you a new way to live. And you think, well, loving people, that's just a normal way. It's an Old Testament. You said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, just love people, love the Lord your God. It's a new way. But Jesus says, no, watch what I do, basically. This is how you love people. You love them by forgiving them and laying your life down like I have laid my life down. This is the New Testament model that Jesus modeled for us. Do you know how to love And then what that does is, is we're realizing, actually, it's not about us, this journey anymore. We're here to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. I don't know what this means. Fruits of the Spirit, right? We're we're here to grow in love, to grow in kindness and gentleness and goodness. This is what we're here to do as a believer. This is the one talent you've been given. This is what you've been entrusted with. The word of God and the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you to become everything God's called you to be. This is the 101 project that God has for you to make you like Christ, to grow you into the fullness of God, what God's calling you to be. This is the one talent you've been given. You've been given the word. You've been given the spirit to empower you to make this happen. This is the 101 Do you know Jesus? 
Do you know Jesus? Have you received the Holy Spirit in your life to empower you, to help you to grow, to become like Christ? I'm not saying we'll ever be Christ because we're all flawed, but we can grow in the fullness individually. Then as a body of believers, we grow into the body of Christ. This is the pattern. This is the blueprint. If we're going to be builders, we've got to understand the blueprint. The image for God is to make you like Christ. Are you still with me? So identity in Christ is the one talent that you've been given to receive Christ and to grow into that, to nurture that, to devote yourself to that, to fall in love with Jesus and to love everything about him and to follow him is the one talent. Then we'll go on to the second talent. Like I say, you can't skip the first talent. You've got to, you've got to grow in that talent. And when you've been entrusted with that talent and you use that talent, then guess what? God will give you more. But if you're not entrusted, you don't, you, you don't utilize that talent, then you're going to struggle to move on to another talent. And by the way, this is not a success ladder. This is like, oh, I'm on to the second talent now. No, no, no. You just need to enjoy the talent number one. And if you get more talents, you get more talents. Most people who get more talents think, actually, I don't want more talents. I've got enough with one talent. But here's the deal, right? Talent number two is about your identity in the body. Your identity in the body of Christ. So talent number one is your identity in Christ and and, and being entrusted with that. Nurturing that. The second one is your responsibility in the body. Your identity in the body. You see, when Jesus was leaving them, he was leaving them with talents. It says in in Ephesians, it says that he ascended on high. God lifted him above everybody. And then it said he poured out gifts to the body. He poured out gifts. Okay, Apostles, prophets, pastors, Teachers, evangelists, these are the gifts that were given to the church to build the church up. They're there to equip the body so that the body is nurtured in teaching. It's set on fire for the gospel, right? It's secure because you've got an apostle here who's secure in who they are. They want to change community. It's all of these fivefold gifts that are working together. These were what were entrusted to the church in the New Testament to build the church. And I believe the gifts today that are still available in the church... For the church to grow. This is God's blueprint for the church to grow. Apostle, pastor, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. If you want to see this church grow, can I encourage you? Pray for those gifts to be in this church. Or if they're not in the church, that we tap into them gifts in the body of Christ. So that this church is equipped, we are equipped. And then the church is equipped to go and do good deeds. Does that make sense? I believe it's the only way the church will get built through these gifts. They're, they're, they're anointed gifts that then change the church. I've tapped into some in Rwanda. Can you tell? I don't know if you can tell, but I have. I have to extend myself out of these four walls so that I can get equipped and built up, right? So that you can get built. I have a responsibility for the talents I've been given. I can't sit on my backside in the church. I've got to find out, God, how do I use this gift? How do I equip this gift? How can I then help others to be equipped so that the church grows? Now, that doesn't mean that I've got, oh, I've got to be, what, what's my gift? I've got to be Ephesians gift. No, 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 no. We can still find our place in the body of Christ. Would you agree? We can still learn to love one another. And, and you, you can come to me and say, well, what's my gift? What's my talent? That's not the point. If that's the point, then you're missing the 101. Because you're trying to fill the 101 to find out what your gift is and find out who you are. No, no, no. The 101 is who you are. 
Does that make sense? I'm loved, I'm redeemed, I'm set free. Jesus is blood, he's sufficient. I don't need anything else. I thank you, Jesus, for your body. I'm fulfilled in you. But what do you want me to do? And then as you begin to search and serve, you find out what you're good at and what you're not so good at. Would you agree? Lauren's sitting here and she's thinking, I don't know really what I can do. And then she sits up here and she communicates and I'm thinking, wow, she can preach. Wow, this girl... You, you don't know what it is, but here's the deal. Be willing, right, to build the body up. Immerse yourself into seeing the body built up. Right? How do I do that? Well, I'm going to pray for my leaders. I'm going to give financially. Because otherwise, how's it going to be built up? I, I, I'm going I'm to go to that small group, and I'm going to be a person who wants to go along and learn. And actually, whilst I've learned this now, I'm actually feeling right that I can actually help others learn. So actually, I'll start a small group and pass on the 101s to somebody else. And what are you doing? You're being available to build the body up. Does this make sense? Are you still with me? So you have the 101, identity in Christ. The 201, which is the identity in the body of Christ. Learning what your calling is, what you're good at. Finding the gifts, and I'm not going to talk too much this morning, but the gifts of the Spirit, which we've not even touched as a church, and released people, prayed for people, released people to use the gifts of the Spirit. We've done no training on that. And you know, when we get into that, and the, the, the power of God using gifts of the Holy Spirit, that can change people's lives. So that's where I believe we have to go as a church, is look at the gifts of the Spirit. But the 101 has to be taught first and understood the discipleship. The gift isn't here to make you look better or give you identity. That's wrong. The gift is here to build the body up. The gift is here to set people free. It's not actually about you. There's nothing of you in there. It's about God using you as a vessel. Okay? That's why the 101 has to be done first in order that we get the 201. Are you still with me? And they don't have to be weird. They can be perfectly natural, supernatural gifts where we see people set free and people built up. And then we have the next one, the 501. Are you still with me? So we've got the 101. You've all been entrusted with that. You've got a 201. You've all been entrusted to love the body, the body of Christ. Does anybody love Jesus? We like his head. Do we love his body? Do we love his body? Do we love Jesus? Do we love what he thinks and what he thinks about us now he loves us and what he did? Do we love his body? Are we committed to Jesus' body? Do we lay our lives down for the body of Christ? Do we put others before ourselves? Do we give? Do we serve? This is Jesus' body on earth. Wow. Can you imagine the body of Christ reaching its fullness, its maturity, and then affecting not just here, but affecting the community. This is the 501. This is the 501 going out from the 201 to the 501 that begins to impact not only a community, but a nation. A nation. These disciples, when they were entrusted with the gifts, they were given one, they were given two, they were given five. Some of them refused it. I think that's the religious people but the ones who were broken, who were willing, who probably didn't see themselves as good enough, who just loved Jesus and what he did, said, well, well, we'll be up for it, Jesus. We'll just receive and receive these gifts. These people not only affected Jerusalem, they went beyond just like Jesus said. 
They went beyond the four walls and they went out into different communities. They were persecuted, they were crucified, but it didn't stop them spreading the gospel. They didn't stop there. They went out from the four walls into all the nations. How do we do that? You and me sit here today because of that. You and I are here today because the body got built up and it continues to be built up and expands beyond the four walls so that me and you from all different nations in here can sit together because they took on them talents and they were prepared to do something with them. We sit here in the glory of what God did there. The question is, what do we do now with what we've been given? What do we do? Do we stay here or do we keep believing that God's going to grow this body? That this body, this isn't it, but it's going to expand and grow. We're going to see people come to faith. We're going to go beyond this church. We're going to go into this community and we're going to see people in this nation saved. You think, how's it going to happen? I'm telling you, God can do it. Some of you, come on, you think, how's it going to happen? God can do it. How does he do it? Gifts and the Holy Spirit. And a group of people that are willing to put themselves and make themselves available as a body of believers. Now, I'm not saying this is all about us and it's about giving us a name as a church. It's not. It's simply about glorifying God. In the book of Nehemiah, we read that Nehemiah hears about a broken people in in Jerusalem, that the walls are down. Nehemiah hears it, and he has a vision, I believe, in his heart, based on something that actually didn't match up to who he believed God was. You know, he's just serving in an everyday job, well, everyday job, being a cupbearer in front of the king. Anybody does that in here? (laughs) You might die one day, you might not the next. No, some of you think, you don't know my job. (laughs) But you know, it's just just doing a job. Yet Nehemiah has a heart for those people. I believe he was entrusted with the 101. He understood the 201, his, his fellow believers. And actually, he was not happy that God's name was not being glorified in the nations. And he was one man... One man who was willing to pray to God. One man was willing to seek God for God's provision, God's empowerment, God's equipping, so that he as an individual could be resourced and go back to Jerusalem, mobilize an army again, get the walls built back up so that God's name could be glorified. Yes, are you with me? And this is what he did through one man. He understood the 501. God's entrusted us with his promises. We have a covenant with God. He's trusted with his promises, yet look at the mess of the nation. Are you hearing me? And I believe Nehemiah built some healthy things in his life. And I want to share these healthy things. Are you still with me? Do you understand the pattern of building? The pattern is... 101, identity in Christ. Finding our identity in the body, building each other up. Then, God's identity impacting the nations. It goes beyond these four walls. It goes into our communities. It goes into our homes. It goes into our nation as God is built up. And I know it seems huge. And you think, how is that going to happen? Just go back to the 101. Do the 201. And before you know it, you're being faithful with the small. And God's giving you more. 
He's going to give you another five people, another ten people. Why? Because we're being faithful with the small, and then he's increasing more. Are you still with me? Well, we can stay like this for the rest of our lives with 200 people. What do you want? What do you want? I, I don't want that. I don't want people to go with the gnashing of the teeth. I want people, everybody to be in God's kingdom. Or every, every single individual in this nation been given opportunity to hear the gospel. Every single individual have the opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news why Jesus died with them. I was at the football yesterday. I turned around, some people talking to me. I told him my story. Wow, that's an amazing story. I'm just going to tell people. You know, you've got to be sensitive. You can't ram it down the throat. But I've known them people. For, I want, I've got a passion for the gospel. A passion to hear people to hear the gospel. Here are five quick, quick things to check that you are healthy like Nehemiah. Irrelevant of your circumstances. If you're healthy, here are five quick things to show that you're alive and that you're pointing people a signpost to God. Number one, you enjoy God's word. Nehemiah enjoyed the word. He understood when he heard about the people. No, no, no. He went straight to prayer and to the word. God, you are almighty God who have covenant with us. and you promise. He knew what the word of God said. He had a love for the word. How's your love for the word? How's your love for Jesus? Are you passionate about the word? Are you hungry for the word? Are you committed to finding in the scriptures Jesus? Second one, how's your commitment to the fellowship? Nehemiah was committed to the fellowship. He heard they were in distress. They're in trouble. These are my people. This is my body. I love them. And he went to God based on his word. Then he came in prayer about his fellowship. How's your love for the fellowship? Is it, are you in love with Jesus and do you love the fellowship? Or has something upset you or you've taken offense and you're not sure and I'm half committed, half hearted? No, no, no. I love the fellowship. I love the body of Christ. Christ died for me and my brother and sister. Do you enjoy the word? Are you committed to the fellowship? The third one, do you enjoy God's correction? Are you still my friend? Do you enjoy the correction of God? And I don't mean like a tough master like it says in here, but a father who gently loves you but actually wants to correct you and guide you out of your self-pity and out of your laziness and into who God wants you to be. Do you enjoy? Do you understand sometimes when you're going through it that there's a brokenness that's happening, that God's taking you through a process and a journey to make you more like Christ? And sometimes it's not very nice. Are you with me? It's not always that nice emotionally. But when we're committed to the body, we're committed to God, the word of God, then we're willing to go through the correction and sometimes we have to have things redeemed in our lives that we didn't understand. Our attitudes that aren't good enough sometimes and we think it's about everybody else. No, it's your attitude. Don't blame people. Look at yourself. Are you still with me? I've had this, I've done it, I've been in church for 15 years. Some of you have been in longer and you realize it doesn't work. The Israelites walked around for 40 years moaning and complaining and they missed out on the promises of God. It's our attitude that stops us walking in what God has for us. Are you enjoying the correction or do you see it as a... Enjoy the correction of God that's progressing you into Christ, the 101. And then the third thing. You aspire for a constant awareness of God's presence. 
when you go to work or you get up in the morning. And listen, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we're difficult circumstances. But if we bring God into our daily life, and God, I'm aware of you today. My decisions now are based on God's word and, and God's presence in my life. Jesus isn't somebody I le- go to on a Sunday and confess my sins, then on a Monday I do what I want. That doesn't work. It's a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive. That's why it says you can grieve the Holy Spirit through your bitterness and your anger and your hatred. You can grieve the Spirit of God. No, no, no. Forgive people like Christ. Walk with the Holy Spirit daily. Be aware of him where he can use you and show you things and be kind to people. It's a constant awareness of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, Jacob says that he awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. God's everywhere, omnipresent. He's everywhere, we're just sometimes not aware of him. I want to encourage you to have a hunger and a desire for the awareness of God everywhere you are. And then the last one. So, enjoy the word, committed to fellowship, enjoy God's correction, Aware, have a desire for God's awareness. And the last one, desire to see the power of God working in your life. And I don't mean power as in, oh, it's about me having power. I'm talking about the redemption power of God working in your life. The forgiveness of sin. That, you know, the chains that have fastened you for so long, you're believing for the, for the promises of God that says, he will set me free, he will forgive my sins, he covers my shame. This is the power of the gospel, it's the power of the good news that washes people and cleanses people. And believing for the power of God to work in your life. As you're seeking the word, it's not just a written word, the word comes alive because I want God's presence in my life, I'm being sensitive to God in my life, and, and God, I'm hungering for you, I, I love the fallacy, and sorry if I've had a bad attitude towards the fellowship. God, I forgive, forgive them and I'm, I'm, I'm being corrected and your presence, I seem aware of it now more than ever. Something's happening in my life and all of a sudden the power of God begins to work in your life and you've moved on and you've grown up and you've matured in God. It comes with a power. The Holy Spirit is powerful. When they gave these talents, they weren't talents that said, I'm gonna teach you how to skip. This is a talent. Do a skipping ministry. Go around the streets teaching people to skip. And look, there's nothing wrong with skipping. These were powerful gifts that were given to the church. The word of God was given. Jesus was given to set people free. We're here to set people free, church. This is the gospel. And God wants to set you free so that your life then glorifies God and points towards God and testifies about his goodness The 101 that you've been entrusted with is alive in you. You become full of the fullness of God and you become alive in Christ. Is anybody alive in here this morning? Anybody hungry for God this morning? Now, we're going to pray. I'll invite the band up. And sometimes there's areas of our lives, if we're honest, we've had a bad attitude or we're not hungry for the word just can't be bothered I've been there I understand it's hard work but I'm not bothered come church just it's just become a duty I don't really want to be here if I'm honest we've all been there we've all done it and sometimes we have to push through and it's about our character development and I get all of that but sometimes there's things in our, in our heart or they, they just die off and God has to breathe something fresh inside of us 
as we humble ourselves before him and say, God, I'm, I recognize there's things that have died off in my life. And I believe this is what's going to happen today. God's going to breathe new life into you. And he's going to set you on fire like you've never been before. Anybody want a fresh fire? A fire for God, not only for yourself, but for the body of Christ. So you get here on time, you get here before everybody else, you're knocking the door out of the way, because I'm alive for Jesus. Anybody here? Anybody here? I'm going to be on time, I'm going to be there every week, I'm going to serve my community, I'm going to take it into my family, I want a fresh fire for my family, I want a fresh family for my church, I want a fresh fire for this family, fresh fire for this nation. Does anybody want it? So let us stand. And we're going to worship. And during this worship, I'm going to pray before we worship. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Ask Him to breathe a fresh life into you. And this isn't just so it makes life easier. No, no, no. You recognize you need God in your life. Or maybe you're here as well that you don't know God and today's the day you say, do you know what, Jesus? I recognize I can't do this anymore. I need you. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I feel like there's a heart cry out. Some of you crying out for Jesus. Just let Jesus come into your life. So, Father, we thank you. We pray for each person here. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost and is continually poured out for those who hunger and thirst for you. And Father, I pray for people in here to receive a freshness, a fire from heaven that would set them alive for you. I pray for people to know you this morning, to know your love, to know how much you love them, that you don't condemn them, you don't push them away, but you receive them with open arms. So Holy Spirit, I pray, we ask that you would empower people in this room, empower people with life. Help them to fall in love with you again, a hunger for your word, a hunger for the fellowship. May life flow through this body, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come Holy Spirit, breathe new life into this body. Breathe fresh life into the hearts of your people. May the gospel go out. We first got to receive the gospel. We have to receive the good news. And it comes with power. It's not religion, it's power. The gospel comes with power. Power to transform you. Power to forgive you. Power to set you free. Power to release you from demonic activity over your life. Power to break curses over your life. It comes with power. Power. Come on, there's a power. Some of you have never touched the power. It comes with power. Some of you try and do it in your own strength. No, 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 no. God releases power.